Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Welcome back, everybody. This is, this is episode 16 of Tools for the Toolbox, and I am super excited again to bring this to you. We got some great conversation coming up, but first off, I'll let my guest introduce himself as per normal. So who are you, and what is your military background? Who am I? Hard question. <laughs> uh, who am I? Well, okay, well, uh, legally speaking, my name is, uh, my name is Rob Ballantyne. That's my, uh, that's my legal name. Uh, who am I is I'll be figuring that out for quite a while. Like most of us, mm-hmm. um, uh, what is my background? Well, uh, like, like chance, like yourself, I'm a vet. Uh, I've, uh, I served 26 and a half or 26 years, four months, three days, 12 hours. But who's counting? But who's counting, right? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I joined in 1987 right out of, uh, in Saskatoon. I, um, I was, I would say I was more pushed or coerced or guided down that path. So, you know, being a young guy, I didn't have a whole, didn't have a whole lot of uh, uh, ambition at that time, but uh, it seemed like a good fit. I made tons of good friends. Uh, 19, I went to Cornwallis in 87, uh, finished Cornwallis, went to Chilliwack for trades training. And uh, yeah, that was kind of, it was just a, it was a big ride after that, you know, Okay. And well, for those that don't know, what did you do? Oh, what did I do? Uh, well, I was a, uh, I was a combat engineer, uh, formerly a field engineer. You know, they changed names on the, on the trade, but you still do the same stuff. Uh, and you've probably answered this question in other, other podcasts, but combat engineers are like, kind of like mobility specialists, you know, they get uh, friendly forces where they need to go and they stop the enemy from doing the same. So yeah, you know, there's lots, there's lots involved in it. Uh, to allow friendly forces to live, move, and fight on the battlefield. Well, I wasn't going to go all super technical. I was just gonna... <laughs> welcome back to the creed. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't remember right. the whole creed, but yeah, no, that's, well, that's exactly pretty. That's pretty close. That was good. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So you know, and it's transformed itself over the years. You know, like we, when I was a young fella, we were all doctrine based. So you know, force on force, blue on red. You know, NATO against Russia, or this, you know, it was just, uh, you know, it was uh, all Cold War tactics and stuff like that. Uh, and all doctor based good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it evolved over the years. We, we took on missions uh, that we were may or probably not as prepared for as we could have been or should have been. Uh, you know, we went into Kuwait. Uh, you know, we did a, a hockey, soccer, UN missions all over the world. But, you know, we started going into war zones, like we went into Kuwait, Somalia, you know, um, Iraq, all kinds of all kinds of nifty places over in the sandbox. So, you know, Eritrea, um, yeah, lots of, uh, lots of exotic places. The Balkans kind of reared its head in the 90s. You know, that was, oh, that was a slice. That was a good slice there. Uh, so, yeah, so we, we had to learn lots of stuff that, you know, that we weren't, weren't really trained in our formal doctrine training. So, uh, and then, uh, then you roll over in 2000, now you're looking at a whole other war fighting, you know, mm-hmm. good old I, Afghanistan, right? I've so. always said that the, uh, what makes Canadians so celebrated, I guess, in terms of like historical, like if you know military history, the Canadians are always the ones that are like, shit, we can't get this done. No one is able to do it. 
Well, you know what? Let's just we'll send the Canadians and they'll sort it out. And we yeah, always we'll figure do. It out. Yeah, well, and sure, because you know we don't even follow our own doctrine, yeah, right? So, exactly. You know, <laughs> we just like make it up on the fly every make time. Up, make, just... up all, make up all these plans and stuff like that, and you just go, meh. Well, let's let's do this instead. You know? Yeah. 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 And I remember so, you know, going through going through all the training, and uh, I can't can't remember how many times I've been told like, okay, here's the plan, but if it doesn't like when this happens all bets are off okay so mm -hmm. when you're making your plan always have your contingency and your contingency to your contingency and make sure you have three routes just to be sure because shit's gonna go wrong true story and uh yeah, no survive no plan survives first contact absolutely. ever what did yeah. muhammad ali say he said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face yeah yeah and it is it is absolutely how it true. Is. and it's really it's up to us and the other part of it is like we've never had uh who i one of the last guys I had talking on here was like uh, saying uh, we were fighting 20-year-olds fighting a war with 30-year-old equipment. And Keep going, 30-year-old like, equipment. Yeah. Well, I think at the time he was talking about uh, the Balkans, but... Oh, it, yeah. It was, we've always had that, right? We've always been yeah. kind of late to the fight in terms of equipment. So we've always yeah, had to figure out right. how you're to... Right how to make it work with less yeah yeah no, well that was a fact you know what you know what and we're not unique in that we're not the only only uh, member of uh, the un that was like that uh however given given our status around the world we probably could have done a lot better yeah. you know not, i'm not trying i'm not knocking other armies that were there doing that because you know everyone has a job to do and you only can do the job you can do with the tools you're given so yeah, it was uh, it was different. But, well, that's but, what this but, whole uh, this whole podcast is about. Let's give people some tools. So now that you're absolutely. 20, 20 some odd years, how long have you been out? Um, I got out in twenty thirteen. So you know, good. Oh, what is that? Uh, what is it now? Uh, that I know now? it seems it seems a lot longer. It does, uh, but I, I guess seven years, and that's it. What do you do yeah. now? Pardon me. What do you do now? <laughs> uh, oh, hey, before I forget, uh, remind me when we start uh, talking about what we're going to talk about, because yeah. that Muhammad Ali quote is is key, is is actually is a nice tie-in to what we're going to talk about. Perfect. Oh, um, what do I do now? Um, I uh, I was fortunate to uh, to find employment right out of the, right out of uh, um, right out of, the, out of the army. I hit my feet running, hit the ground running. Um, I had an opportunity to work with a road crew. So it was, it was horizontal construction, civic civic work. There was a company called uh, E-Construction, Everall Construction. Fantastic company. I'm super, you know, I'm very thankful for the opportunities that they gave me. Uh, they, they offered this guy, uh, me, a job as a superintendent, uh, running road crew and, uh, you know, I, uh, this is again, one of my points I want to talk about is about human, human hubris and where, where, what we think we are versus what we can accomplish is not quite, this not always measured. Yep. Those are very equal. different things. However, I was given an opportunity. I soon found out that I have, I had lots to learn, uh, experience, you know, uh, academic knowledge is one thing, experience is another, um, but um, back to your question. Uh, I worked for e-construction for a while. Again, I was very thankful. Another opportunity arose uh, with uh, during the oil and gas oil and gas boom uh, to work with Trans Canada. Uh, so I interviewed with Trans Canada. Uh, I 
I got a job, maybe because I was a veteran, maybe because, you know, I bullshitted a lot. A uh, little bit column know, A, a little column you B. Know, like you got to sell yourself, <laughs> right? You know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying lie, but, you know, you do have to tell a good story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I got a good job with TransCanada. I was a pipeline inspector. It was a good job, paid well. Uh, good, great company. They, uh, they look after their people. Um, they have lots of, and you know what, for military people, it's right up your alley because it has, it's full of protocols and procedures and SOPs, you know? Um, so it was good. Um, but the takeaway was that, um, I, I was gone for, you know, anywhere from 24 to 26 days every month. So it's like being on a mini tour every yeah. month and it got a little long after a while. I know my family um, was thinking the same thing. Um, you know, although the money was decent, you're not home. So, you know, you're supposed to be retired. So, yeah. So, um, how did that happen here? I was working, I was working in Saskatchewan on a dig near Moose Jaw, I think. Uh, so we're digging up Keystone, um, digging up spots on Keystone, doing integrity digs and integrity dig is, um, there's a, there's an anomaly detected in the pipe. You have to dig it up and you have to repair it. Big procedure, lots of work to do. Uh, I got an opportunity from uh, from a friend of mine in the mil, uh, my form, a former military friend, to kind of sit on an interview for the job I'm doing now, um, uh, which I've been doing for the last well, almost six years, I guess. Um, so uh, my job, my current role is I'm the Winter Road Manager for Nuna Logistics, and what they do. Is uh, Nuna is a um, a company that offers support and uh, expertise in uh, in mining and gas, and um, they work in the north. Their 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 speciality is working in the north, um, and um, coming up with unique solutions to really hard problems. So we work with um, a, a lot of gold mines. We work with the diamond mines, um, uh, to name a few. Uh, some of the ore mines, some of the ore mines up by uh, uh, Baffin Island. Uh, we operate a camp up by Eureka. Uh, well, pretty camp in, in we, we have a camp up there that we put in place uh, to help service the runway uh, at Eureka for the military and for the scientists. You know, lots of different jobs, and a lot of them are way up north. Some of them are in Ontario in the hot in up in the up in the boreal forest. Um, but. Yeah, always remote, always difficult, always hard jobs, good challenges, kind of what we do. So um, the winter road that I do is uh, the winter road that goes from Yellowknife to the diamond mines. So there's there's three diamond mines right now, three major diamond mines. There's Divic, Acadie, and Gatchoquay, uh, all owned by different all owned by different partners. Um, De Beers owns Gatchoquay, uh, Dominion owns. Um, a caddy and Rio Tinto, another big company, owns uh, Divic. So these 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 diamond mines operate 24 7, 365 days a year, um, producing some of the best diamonds in the world. And they uh, their lifeline is uh, the the seasonal winter road, the annual winter road that happens every year. Um, all the fuel that they need, all the uh, and it's a lot. So you're 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 talking millions and millions and millions of liters of diesel. Mm -hmm. Uh, all the all the large equipment, all the 740 rock trucks, the triple seven rock trucks, you name it. Anything anything from graders to blow up dolls has to go up the road, 
right? And uh, and that's their that's their window. It's a big uh, their supply their logistics supply chain relies on the road. So it's a uh, so it's priority one for us. It's a it's a hard job and it goes fast. We have a really tight timeline, and that's we're actually doing that right now. So we have people in camp. We've flown people in camp a few days ago. They're starting up the coal generators and digging out the digging out the equipment, and we're going to start building road gear right away. Wow! So that's it. Uh, it's, it's the job right now is uh, it's almost a twenty four and seven gig all the way till the end of March. You know, you're on call and nothing stops. So you basically <laughs> left the army, took the uniform off, and then got back in the army without the uniform. <laughs> That's exactly what we you don't know, like. It's a, it's such a good fit, you know. It's such a good fit because it's, it's a schedule. Like, it's just like going on exercise or going somewhere, you know. It's um, it's schedule based. It's SOP based. Uh, there's a contract, you know. And it's there's tight. There's timelines. There's deliverables. There's execution plan. You have your, you, you know, you you have your ramp up or your your uh, your loading phase where you're you're train you're doing all the training necessary. Yeah. Um, you're 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 high, you're doing your hiring and your uh, it's just it's 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 in the wheelhouse and it's yeah. and it's comforting it's comforting right? it is yeah yeah so like my job i'm kind of an office-based guy because i have to be in the office uh except for during this covid time uh but i do relish getting out to the field you know i get out i get in my truck i drive the road i see the folks yeah. You know, do the high five and is, the uh, grin and kiss babies. Yeah, that's that's pretty much everything a sergeant major could dream of. Mm, yeah. yeah. I would imagine. Just sit, yeah. sit in the office most of the time. You know what? I got to go see the boys and then just wander off with yeah. your stuff on and look at her. Oh, yeah, okay, everybody's going yeah, good. Okay, you know what? But, but, but yeah, in this regard, sometimes seeing the boys is renting a helicopter out of Yellowknife. You know, you, you, oh, you book a helicopter, jump in the truck, go north. You know, like I was, in, I was up in uh, on site a couple weeks ago. And it was just me. I went by myself and uh, one helicopter pilot. I didn't, didn't fly the machine. Yeah. Um, and uh, we went to um, we went up on the road and we drilled holes in the ice and to see what the ice was doing. Like I, I flew up to the road and uh, um, at every winter road camp, you can only access it uh, through a winter road yeah. and or by and or by air. So one of the things we need to do before we send people in is we have to go. We have to know that the ice that they're going to be landing on is suitable. And that's what the ice checks are about. So I flew up and drilled holes in the ice and to see if we we're able to land twin otters, dorniers, that kind of, that kind of stuff, that kind of fixed wing aircraft. Yeah. That's a pretty cool job. I gotta say. Well, you saw, you probably saw the pictures on Facebook. Oh yeah. 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 It was nice yeah. and windy. That It was, it was nice and windy that day. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So how, if you just kind of got out of it, you just took the uniform off, kind of kept doing the same job. How was your transition? Uh, not, um, uh, how was the transition, yeah. the transition Coming to being the into civilian yeah. world, being a veteran, what was your transition like? Difficult sometimes. Difficult. I wouldn't say it was uh, seamless. That's definitely, that would be, that would be nice. It would be a, it would be a blessing, I guess, or, you know, a lot of, a lot of happy people, if that was the case, mm -hmm. uh, I, I would say it was uh, a little difficult, um, uh, confusing, um mixed emotions yeah. uh, um, not sure if you align with where you're going uh you have to make your own dental appointments which is weird yep um yeah i was uh it's a it's a 
it's a learning thing, you know, like, uh, I would, I, I would assume if you're like a reservist, you know, uh, it, you, you kind of have your feet in both worlds, you know, that's, that part's a little bit easier for you, but being a military guy my whole life, you know, essentially I grew up in the military. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it's a bit of a culture shock. It's a shock to the system. And, uh, sure, yeah. you have to like, where, where do I fit in here? Uh, and how do I make it work? Cause, uh, yeah, not everything you do always is the right thing you do. So, you know. Yeah, well, it is. It's a challenge across the board. I mean, I've I've only met a few people who said, "Oh yeah, no, I didn't have much of an issue going through transition because." But the only reason they did is because they had someone basically working with them the whole time. They had six yes. months of of actual planning and staging and paperwork and like it, but it was like one on one working directly with somebody from the VA. Uh, like my transition went pretty smoothly because of, I had a VA rep at uh, Beeford when I got out, and I was the only person getting out at the time. And that you was were, so you so you got all their effort. I got the whole thing, and it just and I had like two months, but they were just like sign this, sign this, sign this, send this off, sign this, sign this, make this appointment, make this appointment, sign. And it was just constant. So my transition went a bit smoother because I had everything in line. But I also know guys that did their like. 30 day release and like I'm out <laughs> and just nothing. Yeah. So it's it's such a such a range. I wouldn't I you know, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't recommend it. No. No. <laughs> that, that's not the best way to do it. No, I I definitely wouldn't recommend it. Uh you know, I, I and not not to uh not to diminish uh you know a, a person with you know, only, you know, maybe they got in the military and they decided it wasn't them. They, they, they wanted to leave, right? Not trying to diminish that. That might be a little bit easier uh, to, uh, to get out of the military if you're not too uh, institutionalized, you know. But, you know, there's lots of us old fellows that, you know, you're that, you're the old guy standing there with the coffee cup, right? And smoking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. you know, I, uh, I was going to ask what, if you had one piece of advice for any of the boys that are going through this, what do you think you would just one? Well, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to have to roll back to that uh, Muhammad Ali quote. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and that is exactly what getting out sometimes can be like, you know, you, you think, okay, well, here's, here's a good, here's a good example. Uh, if you, uh, if you're an operator, you know, a diver, a combat diver, jumper, parachutist, you know, call of duty expert, extreme, and you know, like you, like you, you know, you walk the walk, you talk the talk, you know, and you, you've been on multiple deployments, uh, and you know, you have all these really great stories of greasing guys and, you know, playing with dead bodies and blowing stuff up and uh, whatever, right? All those, all those really, really cool army guy stories that guys like to throw around. Right. Um, well, they're, they're, they're good stories. They're good stories. And yep. that's, and they should, they should remain stories, uh, while you're transitioning. Um, because a recruiter from a company an HR representative will want to hear it for sure. So they can tell their friends about it, but that doesn't mean that, uh, you're a good fit for the company. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's, a yeah, I, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, like it's, you know, like you step on your dick a lot. You you know, you can I, uh, can I give an example of yeah. stepping on dick? By all right, means. 
here's a good here's a good example. So uh, I re I released in 2013. I was a warrant officer. Uh, just I had my last my last tour was Afghanistan. Uh, everything went well. Uh, I was pretty happy about things. Um, you know, it was it was good. I, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to leave on my dime on my time, uh, and then uh, you know see where I fit in the world. Um, However, however, you know, with, with that bravado of, you know, all this, you know, you're the, all this in a bag of chips and stuff, and I've done this and I've done that, um, that hubris kind of comes into place. And I was, uh, I had, I had interviewed for a job with a reputable, uh, what am I going to call it, a railway company in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you figure it out, right? Yeah. So, so, so you know, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna nail it! I'm gonna kill it! I'm gonna nail it!" Right? They're gonna, they're gonna want twenty of me when they're done talking. Right? Yep. So I sat down. We, it was, it was sorry, it was a phone interview, but we, we talked and tell me about yourself and what are your qualifications and what kind of and how are those transferable and, uh, that part that part's easy, you know. Talk talk about yourself a little bit, and then they started talking about, um what would you do if scenario based questions, right? Yep. And so, you know, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people want to do the, they want to do the thing where they're say, uh, uh, you know, I can, I can, I can do it. I can do anything you want. I can fill any box that you have need filled. Um, Throw me a coach, whatever it is. I got this. Yeah. That's that, that is the military mindset, right? Um, but when you're interviewing for a specific role and stuff like that, they're looking for specifics. They're looking for uh, risk tolerance, risk adversity, stuff like that. So here's uh, so with this reputable railway company that shall remain unnamed, um, they uh, they asked me all these questions. And um, in this scenario, would you do this? And you know, and and I thought about it. And, and this. The, the, you could answer it a couple of different ways. One is a risky way of doing it. Oh yeah, like you know, like I, I'm not going to say they asked me to jump from train to train to hit the brake to stop the train from going off the cliff. It wasn't that kind of question, but it was a risk-based question, right? And I was like, oh yeah, I'd do that. No problem, right? Well, in this scenario, would you do this? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'd do that for you if you wanted me to, right? And you know what? I never got a call back. Yeah, yeah, they just didn't. They said, mm hmm. And you know what? And I waited and I waited and I was like, huh, well, I wonder when they're going to call me. Oh, I, I aced it. Never happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. But that, that leads directly into what we're going to talk about. And what we're going to talk about is expectations, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the ability to actually perceive what you think is going to happen and then be able to adapt quickly when what you think is going to happen doesn't happen is it's a skill set that we have, but I think we underutilize it because we're not, I think a lot of it has to do with the wording, especially when we're, when we do our training versus when we step out of into the civilian world, because we don't talk about expectations a lot in terms of, you know, military training, right? You have adapt and overcome and you have fight through the enemy and you have, it's all very aggressive, straightforward, ninja stuff right yeah let's go we don't really sit down and go okay let's talk about your expectations what happened with that right <laughs> that just you don't get those kind of conversations no like no because you're you're not asked what your expectations are you're told what your expectations are yes this is true. 
our expectation of you. You, this is this is the mission. This is what we need you to do, right? Yeah. So now, you, when we're talking about expectations, find, you have to find a way to make it happen for yourself. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's you know, commander's intent, right? Like the, this is what we want to see happen. But yep. when this this is what we rarely get, and I remember doing this on my lead, uh, PLQ stuff was they were talking about, um, okay. You're going to have your mission. This is what's going to happen. And then come back and report when it's done. And I was like, thinking to myself, what happens when I don't complete the mission? Like complete compromise. We're doing a recce, right? And all of a sudden I've compromised. So I got to get back in. That's not really taught very much. Like we had like one class on, you know, what to do if shit goes, shit hits the fan. And it's always just like run. Yep. And that which, yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, it's uh, that's a leadership and management piece. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, for what, sure. It, I think if we had talked about it more, if we had developed that, we I think we'd be able to f- produce more people that could like think on the fly, come up with our solutions, and um, you know, I hear about a lot of it in special forces training when they're doing uh, shoot no shoot scenarios and lots of. Uh, I thought saw the seals do one cool where they have like a big headpiece on, and it's just black. And then they pop the headpiece off and you have to deal with the situation that's right in front of you, regardless yeah. of what it is. So sometimes it's a knife, sometimes it's a lady, sometimes a dude asking for directions, guy pulls a gun, like you have to be able to just whatever, yep. decipher on the fly. And yeah, I don't think we train that, but I think a lot of it would do with a, like a definition. So when you're talking expectations, what are you, what are you actually talking about? Well, for me, expectations are uh, on transitioning out of the military is like, you have to, you have to kind of determine what you're worth. You know, and I don't, I don't mean, I, I guess it could be monetary, right? But what is, what is, um, what is it worth? What, is, what am I worth and how do I fit in? Like, um, you know, the, a lot of military guys uh, have a, or military folk have a uh, tendency of staying in their lane, right? This is my, this is my right arc, this is my left arc, and I'm going that way, right? Because that's, my job is that, is that way. I'm going to do that, right? Um, and, and, and it's great, you know, and that's a, that's good stuff to, that's good stuff to do because that, because it gives you laser focus on your job and you're in the military, it gives you your laser focus on your job. Um, however, um, to find out where you're worth and where you fit in, you have to kind of, you know, your, your arcs have to kind of widen out a little bit. Um, you, you can't always stay in your lane. And I'm not talking about doing everyone, I know doing everybody else's job of being a micromanager. Um, but in the military, they call it prevent, you know, professional development. So, you know, you're a combat engineer, you're an infantry guy, you're an artillery guy, you're a truck driver, a cook, whatever. And uh, you, your job is to do X, right? So um, somebody might, your OC might one day might say, Hey, we're going to do some professional development and I want you to give a, a class on uh, the third page of QRNOs, right? So you're like, oh shit, I don't know that. So you got to get into the books. Yep. Uh, or you have, to do, you have to give a PD class on CISIP, yep. right? Definitely not in your wheelhouse, right? But you have to figure it out. So in the, you know, transitioning, you, you know, you're hired as a, uh, you're hired as a superintendent for a road job or for a road construction company you have to know how to build the road, right? Mm-hmm. You also have to know how payroll works. You have to know how scheduling works. You have to know how contracts work. 
you have to know how estimating works. You have to know how, uh, what the company's policies are. You have to know, most importantly, uh, the safety program, and you have to be the subject matter expert on and on site. You have to be well-versed in OH, OH&S. You have to know WSCC, da, 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 da. You see where it goes through. Yeah. So, you have, so yeah, your job as a superintendent for being a road or being the road superintendent. You're, you're responsible for, you know, making sure the road is built with your foreman and your crew and they move and stuff and get, make sure they have the tools to do their job and everything's getting fixed. Uh, additionally, all of the other stuff that trickle that trickles in, all the other snow that falls on your head is also your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be the expert on it, but you have to know it, right? Because if you don't know it, then you're, then uh, the guy that works for you, the young, the young guy who's driving your dump truck, he doesn't get paid on time. Yep. And he doesn't get paid on time. The trickle effect is his mortgage is late. You know what I mean? So absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. So staying in your lane is good some places and you have to, what I'm getting at here is you have to have wiggle room to move left and right. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You know, my, my psychologist worked with me when I was first, uh, well, when I was having a lot of issues and I was like, uh, I was very binary. And I think a lot of military guys have a very binary thought process, right? It either is a way or it isn't. There's, yeah. there's, that's it, right? There's no question about it. People are either assholes or they're not, right? <laughs> it's, okay. People can't drive or they can, right? It, there's no wiggle room for a bad day or anything like that. And my psychologist used to work with me on building that gray area. So she would really challenge me on it constantly. I mean, she still does, but uh, we did it a lot when I was first seeing her. <laughs> and it was, you know, I fucking, I hate when people are like this. They're horrible human beings, period. Huh. And she's like, well... Okay, so in every situation where this happens, in every single time, in every infinite circumstance, this is that makes them a horrible human being. And you're like, what? Wow. I mean, well, no, mostly. right? I mean, most of the time, sure. And she's like, okay, yeah, most of the time's good, but not 100%, right? And you're like, well, yeah, okay. And that gives you that little gray area. Right? That's that, it, that, they're, that they're digging into, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it is, uh, but it, it's something that, you know, we do. And it's because when you live life and death in terms of uh, what you do, that's what it is. This will either, I will live or I won't. (laughs) We can jump right on that because, you know, in the same scenario of of speaking with, uh, with professionals, um, you know, they, that you, if there's something you're stuck on, you have a stuck point on something um, and you're talking about it, uh, you know, and it could be, and it could be very dramatic and it could be life and death. You know, uh, someone you were involved in a uh, in a significant incident overseas, right? Whatever that may be, and you're the leader. You're in charge of your section, your troop, your troop, your 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 squadron, you know, your platoon, whatever. You know, you're in charge. You're the guy that is leading them, right? So you, people and when stuff when stuff goes bad, people carry a lot of survivor guilt, right? And you like, and because you're always taught it's your fault, right? Is you know take, own own the situation, own your own your sphere, and deal with it, right? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that in in that regard, it does make sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, in that lifestyle, hundred percent. It it totally does. Yeah. And I and I'm not in any way advocating shirking responsibility. No. Not at all. Right. But what I am saying is, you need to be able to look at it a little bit differently. 
you know, because she would say, well, was that your fault? I'm like, yeah, it was my fault. I was in charge. Yep. You know, well, could you, was there any way you could have prevented it? I'm like, well, I, well, I wasn't there, but, um, well, what could you have done? Like, you weren't there, so how would you have prevented it? I'm like, well, well, let's see here. I could have given a better set of orders. I, I could have trained the person a little bit better. You know, like maybe, you know, when they were 16, I could have visited them and, you know, started teaching them then. Yep. Well, you know, in kindergarten, I probably could have, you know, then it just kind of rolls back. Eh? You know, I'm like, so, yeah, yeah. Was it your fault? Not really, but you feel responsible. Feel responsible, absolutely. And, you know, there's a great quote that I, uh, I heard. And it, it's the, uh, it's all on you but it's not about you. Yeah. And it took me a very long time to learn that, especially when it comes to survivor guilt and that, that realm is that yes, technically it's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Cool. Could you have done anything like differently if the, it, if the circumstances were realigned and you were back in it at your best, could you have actually done anything about it? At, you know, you're talking about war shit happens right like you can't plan for everything you can't mitigate every opportunity you can do your best and the best is that's it that's all you got so that comes down to risk your risk tolerance right exactly right if you said if nobody's gonna die on my tour then nobody leaves (laughs) fantastic guy way of putting it too like look at i don't know if uh, you remember the cheesy movie thin red line oh yeah remember that movie so it Halfway through the movie, Nick Nolte, uh, Nick Nolte, he, he's trying to be a colonel, and he's 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 under pressure from his boss to to deliver on this island, and mm-hmm. he's really giving the captain shit about not advancing up the island on he you know and getting his guys killed. The guy's like, "Sir, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing it. You know, we're not going." Yeah. And he freaks out, and he's like, "You fucking commit your guys and run, run." You know, I think his name is Styles, whatever. Anyway, so he's ripping on him really hard about it, and uh, the guy's like, "Well, you know, I'm not doing it, yeah. right." Yeah, they were under like massive machine gun fire and they couldn't even yeah. get their heads yeah, up and then pin down they you know they're from an elevated position, you know, a bare open uh alpine plane, you know. Yeah. yeah. So like that anyway. <laughs> yeah, so that was that guy's wrist tall. He's like, Yeah, well, I'm not no. Yeah. Well, so yeah, back to that. It's is it your fault? No, it's not your fault. Um so But it's your responsibility, right? It is your responsibility to make sure that those guys are safe as possible yes yes it's not your fault right it, it is your responsibility and that's a big it takes a long time to make the differentiation it Different. does yes it oh, does boy, does it ever it is um yeah well let's get back on uh expectations we uh, went into uh, the weeds on that one a little bit but <laughs> you know this it's actually it's perfect that we were talking about this because really you know expectations can be a good thing right to to have a plan and have a way forward and actually this is what what's gonna this is what i want to have happen but when you get too attached to those things it's when you get like latched onto them that this is gonna work this is absolutely gonna work and then when shit goes sideways which it's life life fucking goes sideways you have to be able to go okay adjust right and that takes a long process that's not an easy like oh yeah okay i'll just I'll fly with it and see what happens. <laughs> that's a lot of training and a lot of uh, work to get there. Yeah, I, I mean, unless you're stoned every day and that's, that's uh, you know, maybe that'll work. But yeah. generally, you know, for uh, a person in the workforce, being stoned all the day is counterintuitive. So a little bit, yeah. A little bit. 
a little bit. So I guess your expectation is, you know, if you're getting out of the military and your plan is to be, uh, you know, an Xbox commando, fantastic, right? You knock yourself out. Yeah. Right? Have low expectations. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Yeah. But, yeah, if you want to, uh, if you want to go beyond being the Xbox commando on the couch, uh, it's going to take a lot of work, you know? Like uh, one of the, I think one of the problems you have is when you, when you decide that you're going to go down a path, um, and I, and generally when you're your service in the military, um, you, you normally have pretty good leadership, right? Uh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes it didn't sometimes. work out. Sometimes, but like you know what, everyone's human. You know, people do what people do uh, within their constraints, uh, and best of their abilities. Something you hope. So in the so with all the professionalism in place, uh, you know, all the, um, all the direction uh, from higher, I guess, um, you know, you normally had a pretty good, you know, pretty solid leadership. No one's asking you, no one's asking you to, uh, to do anything that would be uh, um, out of the realm, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so when, when you, when you leave the military and you had a great boss, you had a good, you had a, you had a good section commander, you had a good sergeant and everybody around you was positive and, you know, was, you know, always gave, always told you, you know, that fucking chance you're doing a great job. And well, actually that was never said, but you know, yeah, I don't think I was ever said. <laughs> well, yeah. But well, he said, you know what, like, you're doing a good job. You know, your PDR is great. Your PER, you're, you're, you're going you're to be a section commander in no time. You know, uh, all you need to do is, you know, work on your military writing and your French skills, whatever. Right. That kind of stuff. Um, so that's, you know, you have a path ahead. So you, your boss is the guy you can always go to for a solid answer. And if he doesn't find, if he doesn't know it, he's going to go find out for you. Yeah. Right. That, ha- that is how that happens. Um, in the, in civilian life, it's not the same thing. It's not, a, it's not at all the same thing because the, the potato head that you have as a boss, and I'm not saying my boss is a potato head, but I'm just saying <laughs> some bosses are potato yeah, and you know you you expect the same level of mentorship, uh, leadership, discipline, uh, guidance, and you you know you you're not going to get it, not all the time. You know you 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 could, so uh, it's it, it's easy to become discouraged because you're not going to receive the feedback on you know what you did a good job, or you did a shitty job, because mm-hmm. uh, you know guys in the military like to know where they fucked up. You know, where did you, where did you fucking shit the bed on that? Oh, you know, your creator group. Oh man, that was a fucking, that was the shits. Yeah. It was ineffective for the following reasons. Right. And so I'm like, okay, well, I needed to put more trigram in and that, and then my whole spacing wasn't quite right. And maybe I had to go a little bit deeper. I'm going to get it better next time. You won't get that in civilian life all the time. You know, not, not normally. That, no, not normally. No. So, um, that's a, that's a, that is one of the harder things, uh, I have had to, uh, um, to rationalize with myself is um, you're not, it's not that you're on your own. It's just, you're not going to receive that feedback uh, positive or good, positive or negatively, uh, which help, which helps you develop in your role. Yeah. Um, I found that, you know, the biggest trick that with that is uh, understanding that leadership comes from your own will, right? Like I, I, I look back at my, <clears throat> my time when I was, I was a very bitter corporal for a little while there. Uh, this is, yeah, I know, right? When did that happen? Uh, but 
I was talking to uh, a good friend of ours and he was saying he was I, I was like oh yeah when I was when I left I was super bitter and he was like what you were never super bitter and I was like I think I was bitter more bitter than I for I was more bitter the regiment than I ever was not bitter the regiment but um he, he was like no, no no when I was there you were switched on you wanted to work you were coming up with ideas you were good to go and after he told me that I was like there was a point in time where I was like that and as as I stopped getting feedback as I stopped getting the direct mentorship and the leadership I started wondering like I, I was like oh I must be doing something wrong I must not be succeeding or I must so I you know and then you start going well well fuck them if, I, if I'm not getting if I can't do anything right why the fuck am I doing anything and why why am I watching these guys get promoted when I'm obviously better than them right like there's the ego starts to kick in and the uh, the hubris as you were saying earlier it starts to to build up and you get really bitter and then I also realized that who wants to send that guy on course, right? Like if I was a sergeant and I'm looking at this corporal who's just a dickhead, he shows up every day, hates life, doesn't want to do anything and is a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. I'm not sending him on a fucking breaching course. I'm not going to send him on a jump course. No, he looks bad on the, for the regiment. Not going to happen. And so I realized after that, I was like, oh, that that's why. So the bitterer I got, the less stuff I was going to get, which made me more bitter which less stuff I got, right? And it just, it's a negative cycle. It's known as a self-licking ice cream cone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but had I, had I stayed positive, had I stayed, you know, uh, a hard charger and a pusher and like, let's keep going, I probably would have gotten the courses I wanted. I probably would have been in. It's not always easy to maintain a positive attitude all the time, right? Uh, so. But uh, that my expectation was that I was going to receive the same style of leadership yeah. and mentorship that I got in the field squadron. And then I got put in RHQ and I had four bosses and nobody really knew what to do with me. And, you know, when I was in the incel, I was working for the RSM technically, but he didn't manage my day-to-day stuff. The, oh, the nor would he, right? Nor would he, right? And, but I had a, I had a signaler sergeant who was writing my PERs or my PDRs who doesn't know what an engineer intelligence guy should be doing i'm not getting intelligence courses because the guy who actually sets up the training course it doesn't like me and i don't like him and we just smash heads every time we talk it's it it all makes sense right you're like okay yeah and it it began with my own expectation that i was going to get the same level like i just came you you and i just came back from tour right i got thrown in the incel right away and i'm like expecting tour level style of guidance right not anywhere close to that. And I think it's very similar in when you get from the military and you go out into civilian life. It's that big of a gap. Right? You're coming from no shit, everybody's got to work, let's get this fucking job done, to I don't, I don't really know who the fuck I'm working for and I don't know what the fuck's going on and no one's telling me anything. Cool. <laughs> uh, that your uh, your your expectation was not being met, and therefore you went down a bit of a self-destructive path, which was a negative cycle, really. Absolutely, and it wasn't until I got to Meaford that everything changed. Where like a, the the slate was clean, uh, the people treated me like an adult. Mm-hmm. I no one knew that I was this bitter ass corporal <laughs> for one CR right, and I was mm-hmm. hanging out with guys that I knew, like John. Uh, John was out there and, um, and yeah, I just, I had a blast. Right. And, 
Yeah, John's good shit. Yeah, and so because uh, he's going to be on this podcast eventually, I'm going to get him on here because <laughs> yeah. yeah. he, he definitely needs to be. And uh, but yeah, it I had a blast because there was no competition, there was no. Uh, I had my arcs right they right off the bat. Show up here this time. You leave it this time. When there's a course, you're going to do course stuff. You're going to be under these people, blah, 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 blah. The expectation was there. It was set ahead of time, right? <laughs> they were like, this is what I expect. And you followed, you're like, cool, let's do it. And then, yeah. you know, same thing when I got out. And I was like, what What the fuck? Like, who's, now what? Now, who? what do I do? Right? <laughs> I don't, I'm out. I handed all my shit. And, you know, I've said this a few times. Uh, the thing that I had to... I had to learn this very early was what do you do when your whole life has been mission before self and now self is the mission. So what do you, yeah. Now you gotta, you gotta figure that shit out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not an easy spot. It's not, it's not. And you know, not every, and some people are good at, some people are better at it than others. Yeah. I mean, it, it compounds when you're either injured or, you know, you're, if you come out of the military healthy, right? Life's a little bit easier, right? You're not getting, you're not dealing with uh, pain or stress or doctor's appointments or blah, 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 blah. But it makes it a lot worse when you're not healthy. And it can go down a very, very negative hole <laughs> very quickly. And I think, um, you know, having having specific expectations is good, but you need to be able to you got to be able to shift, you know, <laughs> uh, bob and weave at times because yep. you're going to get punched in the face. And then your plan's no good. Yeah. But, I, you know, I've, uh, I've been working a lot with, uh, with a bunch of guys and a bunch of really solid vets who have gotten out and they're just willing to help and wanting to be a part of larger organizations like when I'm doing stuff for The Walk and I'm doing stuff for uh, this podcast. Or I'm helping out with uh, other organizations who are, out there helping veterans and helping first responders and all this stuff. Yeah. My expectation at the beginning was let's see what happens. Right. And I have been very pleasantly surprised <laughs> for a lot of it. All of a sudden I'm, you know, keep getting put in charge of stuff and I don't know why. <laughs> well, that's come up with a big speech, you know, and you know, you gotta stand there and you're smoking with your red smoking jacket and, and a glass of cognac and brandy and yeah. 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 Just, and just fake it, you know, make shit up. People are there to listen to you. So yeah. See what happens from there. <laughs> what can you do? Right. And I, yeah. you know, I think it's also like, I, I have plans, right. I have stuff that I want to do. I have, um, you know, we're already in the planning phase for next year for the walk and uh, we're really excited because we got lots of stuff going on, but there's always this thing that since I've gotten out now that in the back of my head, it's just like, we'll see. Right. I give myself a couple of weeks shit happens or shit doesn't happen okay give myself another couple of weeks and the, you know with covid when this started in the beginning of the year um or last november or whatever you want to whenever the shit actually started hitting the fan we were still thinking about uh, a summer walk right we were still planning for it. we had 14 cities lined up we had people good to go we were getting all these volunteers ready we we're like talking big and then all of a sudden they're like yeah no gatherings period and we're like shit <laughs> now what do we do but you know you guys you guys saw that and were able to make a shift you know 
you know, okay, what do we need to do to keep doing that? You know, like how do we, how do we change our business plan here? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you guys did a great job. Like, you know, like the, the, I don't, I don't know what the numbers look like for, for the dollars part, but you know, uh, you still have the buy-in because people were showing up. Yep. Right. You know, so yeah, like, um, it was great. Um, we talked about it this summer while we were walking around. So yeah. And you know, that was, it came from that mindset of every couple of weeks, I was just like, well, we'll see what happens, right? Here's the plan. This is what I want to get done. Let's see what happens. And mm-hmm. uh, that took a lot of grace too, because, you know, for military guys when we're getting out and we're doing any kind of operations, it's very, very finite, right? Everything has, this will be done by this time. This will be done at this time. This will be done at this time. This will be done at this time. No, there's no movement on that, right? Does it ever happen? Sometimes, you know, for the important stuff? Yeah, shit happens, right? But when you say, okay, we're going to be, uh, we're going to move from this point to this point, and it's going to take us 15 minutes, and then we're going to move from this point to this point, and somebody throws a fucking track right off the bat, that 15 yeah. minutes is out of the window, right? Yeah, you're, on, you're there for three hours, so. Yeah, and we're really good at being able to think on the fly in dire situations, right? Shit explodes. Okay, well, let's figure out what the fuck to do. But I think in the more minute stuff where, you know, you got 15 minutes to get from A to B and you get stuck behind a slow driver. And that's just like, it, it's, it makes you want to rake your brain. Like it's so painful. It's because of that expectation, right? It's that, uh, uh, yeah, it is. It's that expectation that we just want to, we, there's no reason why this shouldn't happen. Right. <laughs> this is not a good enough reason for me to say that this didn't happen. So when you're talking expectations for life, right. For, for beyond what is the military and what is getting out right away. What do you think people should be looking at in terms of expectations? Hmm. Like, um, well, like, how do you make a plan for your, like, if you, if you're thinking 10 years down the road, are you thinking five years down the road? Are you talking 30 years down the road? I wish I, I have a plan. I don't have a plan. You know, I have, uh, I have a schedule at work that I go by. Um, I'm lucky that my, uh, a a bulk of my work will be done through the winter season. And then the summer really chills out. So it gives my wife and I the opportunity to go, go to the mountains, go camping, you know, do stuff. Uh, I can, I can fart around on my Friozilla project. My, uh, which is looking awesome. Oh yeah. 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 Looking forward to that thing. That's going to be wicked. That should be a podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) But yeah, no, um, well, we talked about being flexible, yeah. right? You have to have flexible uh, expectations. Um, you, you know, all those all those things that you've learned in the military um, that you that you bring to any position uh, that gives you good fundamentals. Gives you it's, it doesn't it sets you apart from other people a little bit because um, because there's a heavy set conscience in what you do. Um, sometimes it's not just a paycheck, you know, like it's, you know, you, sometimes you view your new position, your new job as, you know, this is the new me and I want to make it the best I can. Mm -hmm. Um, um, but for people getting out, uh, and I'm going to speak in in this in this specifically here about gaining employment. 
So I'm not talking because I'm not the right guy to tell you how you should feel when you get out, you know, and that's not my, that's not my role. That's not my place. You know, I'm still trying to figure it out, you know? Um, but I think, um, you know, dependent on your career and most people in the military are, you know, somewhat successful or professionals in what they do. Uh, they have a high degree of adeptness in tech technical skills, uh, scheduling, um, coming up with a plan, doing estimates, um, on the fly, you know, and, and so all these things that you bring to the table, um, they really, you know, like you, you can, you can view yourself as, you know, you're, you're, you're all this in a big bag of chips. Right. Um, but I think you have to be prepared to not get that job right off the bat, you know, like, so, and, and you know, I don't even really have a good, uh, a, a good comparison here. Like if you were, like if, if you're a, a, a logistics person for, so to speak, and you know, you can get a job at uh, another logistics company as a shipper receiver, that's right up your alley. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's a, that is totally cross-trained, cross you know, you don't even, you know, you know, it's really, it's probably the same freaking computer, you know, it's all this, it's all, it's the same stuff. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, like if you're a, a combat engineer, I think you're, a, you know, an infantry guy, combat arms kind of guy, um, you know, you've done, you've done your, um, your 6B, your 6A, uh, your, 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 you know, you have all your leadership courses, and you really topped out. At, you've really topped out at where you can go in the military. You know, you may even have your master gunner course and stuff like that. Um, you, you might need. You might need to be prepared to take a couple steps backwards in your role. Yeah. You know, like and, and and for a lot of guys, that's great. That's what they want. You know, they don't want. They don't want the uh, the high speed, the high pressure, all the responsibility. They just want to roll it back a little bit and take it easy. Yeah. Uh, some people believe. Some people getting out want to have. You know, they want to have that $120,000 an hour or $120,000 a year job right off the bat. You know, like 120 grand an hour. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it may not happen right off the bat. Yeah. So you have to be ready to kind of roll back a little bit, you know? Um, and like I said before, you know, like when you go into, when you take take any position, whatever, whatever you're offered, because whatever you're going to do, you're going to be, you're going to be learning skills that you didn't have before, yep. you know? Yep. Places like uh, Home Depot, you know, I, I've heard people scoff at other people's, so, you know, they get a job at Home Depot. I think that's a freaking fantastic yeah, idea, absolutely. you know, because, you know, sure, it's uh, Home Depot may not be the most challenging job in the world, but what, who cares? What does it matter? You know, you're getting out, you have employment, it's steady, mm -hmm. uh, you're learning about HR, you know, because where have you ever learned about HR in the military? You know, you're learning about WSCC. You're learning about OHS. You know, yep. you're learning about payroll. Yep. Uh, you're making your own freaking dental appointments. You know, that kind of stuff. That's like that's a good stepping stone to going into another opportunity, and then maybe another opportunity. So you know, just just dial it back a little bit. Some you know, and, and it'll be a little easier on yourself. Absolutely. You know, it, my my psychologist uses the term grace. You have to give uh, yourself grace. Uh, you have to be gracious in, in how you deal with yourself. And a lot of it is specifically that, right? Like you, you may think getting out as an infantry, you know, who's going to hire this? I'm, I'm a machine gunner. I have no skills. Well, you have fucking tons of skills, right? That's even, even as a corporal, you have, you have leadership skills, you have drive, you have a work ethic, you have all these great things that people are just dying for in the civilian market. Absolutely. But yep. 
you have to have the expectation that you are not going to be, you're not going to be a machine gunner in, in civilian life. <laughs> that, that, that job doesn't exist. If the new COVID vaccine turns the world into zombies and they need oh, then, yeah, give her. Yeah. Perfect. Right. You're, then you're set. However, you know, yeah. However, yeah. That, that may and not I'm happen. And I'm prepared for that with my, my zombie or my uh, Fierozilla project. Yeah, right? absolutely. You're good to go. I'm I'll meet, I'll link up with you. We'll go down to the ranch and we'll fucking just, we'll wait it out. We'll be set. Yeah, we'll be we'll set. Have lots of elk and lots of cows will be fucking awesome. We'll be set and we would look good doing it too. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, so, um, you know, one of the points I wanted to make on this, especially because expectations are very interesting subject to get into because there are so many benefits to it, but there are also really a lot of negatives if you don't pay attention to them. And, you know, I, I've, for me, not just getting out, but moving on in life and being able to advance. I had to humble myself lots of times, right? I, when I got out and I went to school right away, I was like, I'm a fucking, I'm a soldier. This is civilian college. I should be fucking top of class. No problem. Right. But sit in the front, no big deal. You can't, you can't get me, blah, blah, blah. I had to humble myself right off the bat. Cause I didn't like the fact that people, all I had 45 people behind me like that, just that drove me nuts. I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to sit in the back. Fuck this noise. And then, shit, I can't hear the teacher. I have to put my hearing aids in. Mm -hmm. That's another humbling experience, right? It is. And it then is. I'm realizing that I'm, there are two guys in my class. Me is one of them, <laughs> another guy. And out of the other 44 students, four are over the age of 30. Or over the, over, over the age of 20, sorry. It's so I am surrounded by 19-year-old girls. And that was one of the most challenging experiences I've ever had in my entire life, man. <laughs> Sitting in the back of a class, formerly Master Corporal Burles, while all I can hear in my hearing aids is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. During the lectures, right? And I'm just... I'm, I'm ready to scream. My skin crawls with you. But... You know? Yeah, in meetings we have today. Sorry, go ahead. I'll let you finish. No, go ahead, man. It, it, you, I was just going to say, you know, it's just like... Uh, you know, phone etiquette and, you know, like, I guess that's a thing now because everyone has phones. So like during an orders group, if your phone went off, like imagine how much fucking shit you're oh, going to get. Man, I could like, I can see the daggers at everybody's eyes. Just like, what? The CEO's, you know, the, CEO's, uh, the CEO's hour with the regiment, you know, and, you know, like imagine yeah. you're, you're texting your fucking BFF, right? You know what? I, I had my, I had the duty driver phone ring while we were on a regimental parade out back on a Wednesday. Oh man, I shit my pants if it happened. I yep. I sat like I tried to as super slowly as I could, like turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> I hit the wrong button, the volume went up. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, you know, like you know, yeah, and automatically, you know, people are going to be wanting their pound of flesh for it. You know, like mm -hmm. you know, it's 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 a small thing, but I for some reason it carries a lot of teeth. You know, I don't know. Yeah, um, but. but yeah. It, in my job now, I work with every everybody has a cell phone, obviously, right? Yep. Everybody does. Everyone has a laptop. No one shows up to meetings on time, which drives me fucking crazy, right? I'm still five minutes early for my meeting. If it's at 10 o'clock, I'm there at 9.55 yep. minimum. And yep. with my book and my coffee and my phone's on. Ready to go, 100%. Yeah. It's on silent. And people start walking in at, you know, one minute after the hour, like, uh, you know, looking at their phone and, oh, uh, Anyways, my skin crawls. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know, learn, you have to learn to live in their world. Oh yes, and I've said this many times: is that 
we are a minority, very much so, right? We have, yeah. I don't know, 600,000 to a million standing military and veterans across the nation. There's 34 million people in the country, right? We make up a tiny, tiny percentage of that. And we cannot expect the rest of the country to all of a sudden accept military doctrine. <laughs> and this is the way thing is. Again, again, only if the COVID vaccine goes bad and they can right. declare martial law, then. Yeah. Then, yeah, but even then, it's not even true like military discipline, it's civilianized military discipline, right? Go to your homes, stay inside, it'd still be cool, so, right? Well, it, yeah, it would be interesting, but we'll see what happens. So, yeah, that uh, I've been praying for a zombie apocalypse, but oh, no kidding, I have a zombie book in the, in the shitter, you know, mm -hmm. you, can, you can thumb through it and find out how to build a punge pit, you know, just right in the door, yeah. Okay. I uh, I'm, I'm hoping. Why wouldn't you want those skills? Well, you never know. Yeah. Just another tool in the toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we're, uh, we're cruising over an hour right now and uh, I can't thank you enough, man. This has been just a great conversation. I'm it was a good conversation. You know what? We could, we could go on for oh. version two and three and stuff like that. But yeah, I think we hit all, all the milestones on the conversation, right? For sure, man. And you know, it, it's all about the tools that, people pull out of it right and people are going to be uh, picking pieces out of it that we didn't even think were going to be pieces and that's why i'm here this this whole thing is about information for yeah, it's a great idea the masses right i think for veterans getting out and trying to figure out their expectations and you know where do you fit in the world and stuff like that you know don't sweat the small things too much like don't like don't freak out over cell phones don't freak out over people being a little bit late uh you know yep. uh, it's gonna happen you know, and don't let it ruin your day. Cause you know, oh, like, yeah. like, you know, was it, there's a good, there's a great saying out there. Uh, was it, was it a, was it a bad day or was it a bad five minutes that yeah. ruined your day? Right. It was probably just a bad five minutes. Yeah. And it normally is right. And it normally I, is. But, and, you know, I, and I say that very cavalierish, you know, like, well, uh, like I'm a psychologist, uh, I've had been many bad five minute days. So. As have I. And you know, it, a learning thing. It's just like everything else. We have to do it over and over and over again. I tell my son this all the time, right? Everything is hard until you do it enough times that it gets easy. And it's doesn't matter what it is. It's always going to be hard and it's going to suck and it's going to be a grind, but you have to just keep going if it's worth it. And this is what, uh, this just reminded me, there was something I was going to say. There was a movie uh, years ago. I think it was uh, the girl next door with uh, Alicia Cuthbert. Anyway, there was a one line in it that, always stayed with me it was was the juice worth the squeeze and you gotta yeah so it you gotta remember whatever it is you want whatever it is you're going out going after is the juice worth the squeeze because you're there's going to be a grind there's going to be shitty days there's going to be hard periods of time on whatever it is you want to do if you want to be xbox champion there's going to be days that you don't have power or wi-fi goes out or fucking you have to go to the shitter i don't know <laughs> kid in malaysia yeah exactly you might have to sit there and listen to a 12 year old tell them tell you that they fucked your mother like yeah <laughs> you know, this is, there's gonna be bad period yeah exactly but you can't let that like you have to be able to say okay is it worth the squeeze and i mean even when it comes to you know raising my boys there are lots of days where i just want to fucking punch myself in the face for like why did i even decide to do this but yeah. the juice is worth oh, the squeeze right? probably well, 
yeah but anyway you know i again i can't thank you enough for being on here man this has been awesome and this is going to be a great episode do you have anything any last minute points anything you want to no not really um i'm looking forward to the next one uh wherever i can help out um yeah i like uh, i like hanging out with veterans because not everybody at work always gets me so you know (laughs) we are we're we're a strange crew Mm -hmm. especially the engineers we uh yeah, we, we, we do some weird stuff. And I mean, really, yeah. anytime you volunteer to handle bombs, you're going to be a little off. It's pretty nifty, though. You know? <laughs> it is. It's a lot of fun. I, I love doing it. Anyway. Okay. Um, if anybody wants to follow you, know more about you, you got any social media, anything you want to? No, just I just have the normal uh, Facebook and I, I have an Instagram account. I don't even look at so. <laughs> yeah, no YouTube channels. No, I'm not that interesting. I have, I'm, you know, I might put something out there uh, in, in the new year, but that'll that'll be a plug for a later time. You know, wicked sounds good. Yeah. That concludes this episode of the Toolbox. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered. I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. GMO.